good evening. Do you remember uh, evangelist Barry Webb who was here what, a year and a half ago or so? Um, they have an uh, overseas uh, ministry that they partner with when they go to Europe in the country of, uh, not Romania, but Moldova. It borders Ukraine. And uh, the you, uh, Moldovian believers right now, as a church, are caring for literally uh, tens of thousands Ukrainian refugees. And uh, their particular ministry uh, up in the mountains there in Moldova is a Christian camp. And uh, several years ago, one of our deacons up in the last ministry that I was involved in did a missions trip over there and um, went to build bunk beds uh, for the camp because it also functions as a Bible college where they train the uh, Moldovian pastors uh, theology and train them for pastoral ministry. Uh, right now, um, the camp is hosting 150 refugees. And uh, the churches pretty much are the ones uh, providing out of their own family finances the food for the refugees. So Barry uh, sent out an email this last week with an update, uh, a testimony of a Ukrainian uh, woman who is staying at the camp. And it just breaks your heart to read that, uh, being separated from her husband, having her children with her, waking up, realizing he's not with her, and then she's in some other country. And, uh, but then at the same time, uh, the thankfulness in her heart for the Christian people that are caring for her, and uh, it has given her uh, a sense of normalcy and faith uh, that things will be okay. And um, so she's like, when, I, when this is all over, I'm coming back to this place to help these people because they have been so kind to us. Uh, but Brother Webb was saying that the uh, Moldovan churches are footing this pretty much all on their own, and if you would like to make a donation uh, to that particular camp, and those believers there, uh, then you can uh, go to the Eurasia Baptist Mission website, Eurasia Baptist Missions. Uh, it's Dr. Eric Chapman, and that's who they partner with uh, there in Moldova, and uh, you can donate to them. Of course, I've put up on uh, the church uh, web uh, Facebook page a couple of times uh, updates from Brother Jan Milton in Operation Renewed Hope about how they're uh, helping the refugee situation in Poland and in Ukraine. So they're working with a Ukrainian pastor and a Polish pastor, uh, one on either side of the border where the two countries border one another uh, in trying to get the refugees to safety and so forth. And um, what they did was uh, they sent, I think it was $6,000 over to buy uh, like 100 tents so that the refugees just have some place to stay. And of course, it's wintertime, and a tent's not the best of things to, to sleep in, but it's better than being out under the stars. And so uh, there is just a humanitarian crisis beyond uh, our imagination, something that we've not seen. So if you would like to help, uh, those two um, organizations are doing something uh, for the cause of Christ and trying to get the gospel to the refugees as well. And so their hearts are open uh, at a very tender time like this. And so uh, if you pray and consider uh, giving to that. All right, so tonight I would just like to take a moment and just share some pastoral thoughts and just share from my heart. So I really don't have a turn to this text kind of message tonight and ask you to uh, follow along. Oh, was I supposed to do announcements? All right, so junior teen camp are coming up. Um, and then registration for that is Sunday, March 27th. Workday, April 9th. All right, that was fast. Got those out of the way. Now the screen can go black because I don't have slides for you. So you don't have to, to worry about, you know, Norton antivirus waking up and, you know, getting on there this morning or anything else. But uh, so this is an appeal to you uh, for prayer and as the Lord leads you for participation. Because not everyone can be involved in everything that I'll talk about tonight. And uh, so we'll go from there. Now, um, just a, a brief update on uh, what's going on with your pastor's health. So the heart has stayed in sinus rhythm, so that's a great thing. Uh, no issues there. And, uh, but the dizziness has not gone away. 
And so the last two Sunday mornings, it's been pretty intense where I'm hanging on to the pulpit. Um, and so I went and uh, was able to have an appointment with my neurologist. He's very low-key about things. He said, you know, I don't think anything's wrong with you after he did an evaluation and just said, you're tired from being in the heart flutter pattern and you need to kind of rest a little bit more. And so he's like, do you have somebody to help you? I said, yeah, I got that guy right over there. Yeah. And so praise the Lord for uh, the help that Josiah is right now and we'll talk a little bit more about the internship here in the message. But um, so what he's going to do, he said, but since you did have a heart procedure, what we'll do is an MRI that includes a blood flow study to the brain at the same time. So that imaging is yet to be scheduled. And so um, hopefully they won't find anything. Okay. And uh, wrong. Right. Okay. So that's what's going on there. But however, um, I think what I realized uh, about two or three weeks after the recovery, um, how much I really did need that rest and how emotional I've been. And um, so I think I had mentioned to a couple of people that I hope I don't lose it. Well, I did lose it to one of the staff members and had to apologize to them. Um, so that was not great. And so uh, just pray for me uh, just to get stronger and uh, trying to drop some weight. I think that's going to help issues a whole bunch. And, uh, but during that time, I think my frame of mind, um, as I read and saw clinically what doctors were talking about, the post-ablation procedure, there's a lot of discouragement, hopelessness, and depression that was in there. And I'll be honest with you, I think I was facing some of that. And so if some of that came across as a sense of despair, please forgive me. Because the, the outlook can be kind of gloomy, all right? Eeyore, all right? And uh, so if that came across, please forgive me. So tonight, um, as I share my thoughts on the state of Calvary Baptist Church, I promise you they'll be encouraging. Okay, so we'll go along with that. But let's start by uh, going to 1 Peter chapter 5, and let's look at verses 2 and 3. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And while you're turning there, <clears throat> are you aware that um, this will be the 70th anniversary of our church this summer? All right, so we're coming up on 70 years. So praise the Lord. Um, that we've been around that long. Now, let's make it to our um, diamond jubilee, all right? And let's, then let's, by the grace of God, make it to our centennial. Uh, it was a lot of fun several years ago. Uh, Hamilton Square uh, Baptist Church had a 125th anniversary gala, all right, where they put on a nice banquet and they had all the pastors from the Bay Area come over. And uh, one of the cool things they've done is they have taken a photograph of every pastor. And um, you should have seen the first pastor. He was a Swedish sea captain. And uh, he would have put uh, Brother Ron's beard to shame. <laughs> okay. And uh, so uh, to see the, the different, uh, you know, airs and what the pastors look like, it, it's been kind of fun. And if you're not aware, Pastor Innes has just retired and uh, so now he's pastor emeritus, but Dan Pelletier is now the pastor at Hamilton Square in San Francisco. So they've gone, uh, now they're probably getting close to 140 years or so of ministry. And so uh, San Francisco's had a rich heritage of having the gospel, amen? And let's pray for more people to listen and uh, to hear the gospel. But praise God, Hollister, uh, at least through our church, has had the gospel for 70 years. And so I know that there will be people in eternity uh, because of the gospel ministry of this church and uh, the saints and the believers that I'll never know. And uh, so uh, it was interesting. Josiah got a newspaper clipping from a family in his church today. Do you remember that family's name? Could you share it? Ogren with an H or B? O. Oh. Oh, Ogren. Okay. Anybody know the name Ogren? Bruce? Anybody? <laughs> All right. But it was a clipping of uh, Calvary Baptist Church uh, when it was in downtown. And it had a picture of the building. The newspaper article was all yellowed. And it talked about some uh, maintenance and construction updates on the building. And, and the Calvary Baptist Church had taken over ownership of the building. So I think that goes back a, a long way. 
And um, so what an exciting thing to, to know that Hollisters have the gospel. And uh, there's a lot of people in this community that have been reached uh, through our church, through the Christian school. Uh, it's amazing when you uh, hand out gospel literature to people at the cash register or whoever you meet in town. Oh, my, my child went there or I went there, you know. And, and so that's pretty neat to, to meet those people and uh, get to talk to them just a little bit. And uh, so let us pray that we will continue being that holy place which God indwells and that the gospel will continue to shine forth brightly uh, for another 70 years. Amen? And so let's remain faithful. Um, now, First Peter 5.2. You probably have had long enough to get there. This is written to the elders. Uh, Peter addresses them. He says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in, uh, examples to the flock. And so the pastor's primary responsibility here, well, there's several of them listed, but is to feed the flock of God. And uh, this is the Greek word pomean, which we get shepherd or pastor from that word. So a pastor's responsibility is to feed you with the Bible. Now, be careful how you define feed, right? We've been talking on Sunday morning um, about typology, and I gave you that chart, and on the far right-hand side is allegory. Allegorical preaching is a completely different type of feeding that is not grounded in the Scriptures, and you need to be cautious and careful that you don't change the definition of feeding to allegorical teaching, because that's just not biblical. And so uh, we feed the flock of God uh, with the Word. Now, the next phrase gives us another aspect of pastoral ministry, uh, taking the oversight thereof. This is a Greek word, episkopos, where we get the English word episcopal, all right? Um, or the idea of elder. Now, deacons are not elders. Elders are not deacons. Elders are pastors. Pastors are elders. All right? uh, there is one scripture, um, Acts chapter 20, so why don't we just go over there for just a second. Uh, we will see in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 and 28, that all three words are used... To define the office of pastor, elder, and bishop. And so bishop is the Greek word uh, presbyteros, where we get the English word presbytery or presbyterian. All right, Josiah, did I say it wrong? Did I switch them? Okay. And uh, so let's keep going. Let's go to Acts chapter 20, and we'll just do it in English. How's that? Acts chapter 20, uh, let's look at verse 17. And then verse 28. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for who? The elders of the church. Now let's go down to verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And that's the same concept that's here in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2. Uh, let's keep reading. Um, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So here in this passage, we see that you could call me Bishop Brent, Pastor Brent, Elder Brent. All right, uh, it's all the the same office that that goes along there. Now, typically, we're we're much more comfortable with Pastor than we are with Bishop, right? Um, but that's just the way that we've adopted uh, the titles. But all three of these. Now, um, taking the oversight thereof. So this is where pastors can get in trouble. And the one admonition that is given to them to avoid trouble is found in verse 3. Neither is being lords, what? Over. 
All right. So, a pastor is just a child of God. I learned this many years ago when I was at Cornerstone, that my identity is not my occupation. My identity is not in being pastor. My identity is being a child of God. My function is that of being a pastor. And the responsibility that God has given me, first of all, uh, I am one of the sheep. So I am among the sheep, but then God has set me aside to function in the capacity of taking oversight. Now that comes with a heavy responsibility and um, not to be uh, lording it over them. So overseer, one who looks over for the purpose of leading. So a pastor is supposed to lead his church as he follows the Lord Jesus as the leader, as the head of the church. So tonight, um, I hope that you can understand that effective pastoring uh, is a pastor who is among his people, but then is willing to take the lead. And uh, to, to join with us as we go through uh, what is on our heart. So I'd like to share uh, three areas where we're excelling, maintaining, and growing. All right. Um, so excelling. One of the ministries of our church is the Christian school. In the last couple of years, God has abundantly blessed the Christian school. Uh, my first year, I came in October, mid-October, and the school enrollment was 39. Um, this year, right before Christmas, I think at the high point was either 101 or 102, and then we had some families move and, and so forth. And so, in four years, that's pretty rapid growth, Okay. And so, COVID has been a blessing uh, to the school ministry, to our church. Um, so, we're blessed not only with just the enrollment, but we're blessed with opportunities to reach families with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so, Elijah and his wife are moving to Arizona, but I have been doing a Bible study uh, since really, I think, June or July. Uh, we were working on the restroom modular building one day up on ladders, and uh, Elijah came to join us, and we struck up a conversation. There was some spiritual needs in his heart, and we just connected that day, and um, Josiah and I said goodbye to him a week ago Friday, and uh, it was very sweet to hear his own personal testimony of growth in Christ and the change that has happened in his life and the life of his family, so they're moving to Arizona. Um, but that's just one of the school fathers that I've had an opportunity to build a relationship. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, you just saw Eddie and Eddie uh, be baptized and following up with them. I had Bible study on uh, Wednesday uh, with the father and following that up, they would like to have something in their home since they both have to work on Sundays a majority of the time. And uh, then on Tuesday nights, uh, I disciple the master family, which was not a school family this year, but a family from the previous year. And uh, Lord willing, you'll see them in a couple of weeks uh, making uh, their profession of faith publicly. And so this is a, an exciting opportunity for our church to be able to connect with the school families. And of course, we have school families present tonight uh, with us. And so that is a great blessing and so this is just something the Lord has put into our hand. And of course, um, we're here as a ministry to partner with the parents because the parents have that primary responsibility of spiritual care and nurturing for their children. Now, you know, the scary thing is the state, well, let's just define the state, the state of California uh, doesn't quite see it that way anymore. Um, do you realize that a child cannot take an aspirin without the parent's consent, but they can get an abortion without parent consent? They can take gender-altering hormones without parental consent. And there's legislation before the state where a 12-year-old can go against their parents and go take the COVID vaccine if they want the vaccine. Um, and so 
with the uh, legislation that is before the state of California right now, um, they're discussing whether they will force all school-age children to take the vaccine for enrollment next year. Now, I'm not going to go deeply into that, all right? Let me just say this. We're for parental rights because we believe that's biblical in Scripture, but we're not at anti-vaccine, okay? But we do have some questions about what's going on uh, and why does the state feel that they have to take over parental rights that have been traditionally the parents' responsibility. And so our school is excelling, and uh, both Mr. Maddish and myself feel like there's more potential that's coming our way. And so what we're praying for is increased laborers to reach that harvest field. So we had a, an interview uh, with a young man by the name of David on Friday. So would you pray for David that God would give him wisdom and direction in the choices that he needs to make um, in his life? And that could be uh, someone that we um, might see God bring them our way. Uh, but there are other needs. So I know that there's the possibility, uh, well, definitely, since my daughter's moving, we're going to miss you, sweetie. Um, especially daddy, right? Um, but we'll have to replace her, and then we need one other. So that's at least two hires and potentially a third. And uh, so let me just be honest. There's not a lot of people out there working in that right now, in that part of ministry. And so it may be hard, but the Lord will provide. Uh, and so we're looking for people who are both uh, excellent in their character and competent in their skills. And so that is integrity. So that's an area that I believe that we're excelling as a ministry of our church. Um, I believe in the last few years that the multimedia ministry has been an area of excelling. I was talking with Matt maybe a couple of months ago, and uh, he mentioned that when he first started and attended Calvary, that how they recorded the messages was a little square tape recorder deck. And they had just pushed the play button, and that's how they recorded the messages. And so if you've ever noticed what's going on back there, you can see that that area has grown of our ministry. And of course, that's been a blessing of COVID too. And, you know, it, it's interesting when occasionally I look at where our messages are being listened from. Europe, South America, uh, Asia, all over the world. And so that is a blessing uh, that the Word of God is, is going forth. Uh, Paul told the believers in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, to pray that the Word of God may have free course, that it can run freely. And so pray that the Word of God can run freely throughout the world, but it runs freely here in Hollister. I know that there were families that had communicated via text that they were sick this morning, they would be watching from online, and uh, that was something that we didn't have the capacity to do two years ago. And so this is an area where I feel that God has blessed us and given us extremely uh, competent and gifted believers to be involved in that ministry. And of course, that's one ministry, um, and I'll just make a general appeal for participation um, because now you have stage lights, you have PowerPoint slides, um, you have the audio and the video all going down, and there's one person running that where that could really be uh, comfortably done uh, with one person uh, in each one of those areas. And so this is a two-part phase up here, and so that, that will increase and grow. So the multimedia ministry is an area uh, that I believe that we're excelling. In the last few years, we've also seen some wonderful improvements to our facility. Uh, since we've been here uh, in the last four years, of course, um, when we candidated, this building was leaking and it had some wind damage. And when we came back, it had a new roof on it. And uh, you were right at the end of uh, carpet renovation fund for the auditorium, so that's all been done. 
right there at the end of Pastor Dean's ministry, and so that's been on your mind and your heart now for several years to make improvements in the facilities. And, of course, we see the lighting above us tonight. Um, when Victor was here, we replaced all the 8 by 8 beams on the covered sidewalk, and uh, the Lord is blessing the school, so the school uh, and church are working together, but the school is bearing most of the burden this year. Um, so during uh, Easter vacation, the elementary building uh, will be re-roofed, and so actually that's been a little scary for Pastor the last few years because the south side of the elementary building uh, has already been, uh, check's already been cut for that, and we use that to put a roof on this building, and so um, that's been a little scary. Now the north side, it's okay, all right? So maybe the wind and the rain only hit on the north side of the roof, right? But uh, So that should be done during Easter vacation, and then, Lord willing, sometime this summer, uh, the covered sidewalk here will have a new roof on that, and um, 30 years down the road, someone younger can handle that, right? And um, so, some of you are young enough to make it that 30 years you just remember, all right? Yeah, Pastor Snow said that would be your problem, <laughs> All right, so they'll get to deal with this. But God has abundantly provided for us. Um, we've been able, by the grace of God, to see new irrigation lines installed in, on the, uh, the field. Uh, we've seen electrical work done. This all needed new electrical circuitry to go to that, and uh, new electrical circuits. The fire marshal did not like the fact that we had 35 electrical appliances plugged into two plugs back there. Okay, so uh, we put in a new circuit, and now that's up to code, and so God has blessed us abundantly in that way. Uh, once again, through one of our school families, um, just very graciously doing kingdom work. Um, so you saw the new lights in the, in the foyer when you came in. Uh, we bought the lights, but we had one of the school families once again donate their time uh, for that kind of work, and so that has been a blessing to us. And so these are areas that God has blessed us and we're excelling. I think one of the other things that uh, God has uh, really blessed us with is an increase in the area of service. There are lots of people involved here, and, and that's encouraging. Exercising the priesthood of the believer, 1 Peter chapter 2. On um, Saturday morning, the ring bell uh, notified me that there was activity and I took a look, and I said, oh, that's right. I need to run over some uh, weed eater strings so the lawn crew can knock down the weeds. And so uh, Aldrin and his family were here knocking down uh, the weeds at the front gate and behind the elementary building. Um, lawnmowers in the repair shop. Uh, but uh, we were able to at least do the edges. And so lots of people making their impact and cleaning and uh, participation in that way. So these are our, our praises. Now the internship. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Second Timothy 2, 2. And the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Um, I will refer to this verse uh, again later on as an area where we see some improving and some zeal to make improvement in our church. But let me talk about the internship. Uh, sometimes when you have someone from outside your ministry uh, you do your best that you can. You do your due diligence in interviewing them, and, and uh, you just trust the Lord that it will work out okay. And uh, so specifically now with Josiah, uh, he has prone him, proved himself to be this faithful man of God in 2 Timothy 2.2, and it's a joy to have that relationship with him and to invest in his life. And I know that many of you are investing in his life by having him in your homes for dinner, uh, by your encouraging and edifying comments about his ministry uh, in the Word. And uh, he's growing and uh, getting lots of opportunities uh, to different areas of pastoral ministry. And so uh, that is, has been something that the Lord has really blessed us with. 
um, his ability to communicate in writing. So he writes those weekly emails that is well done each week and uh, preaching and uh, his giftedness in administration has been a super encouragement uh, to me specifically during a time where I've been physically down and uh, mentally somewhat foggy uh, during that time of heart flutter and and uh, just kind of really relying upon him to communicate well in writing uh, for the church. And so these things are, are great blessings. And um, this is an appeal that somehow, in some way, this is where we just trust the Lord, that we can invite Josiah to stay longer and maybe in a different capacity. But I can't pronounce that upon you, <laughs> right? That's just something where... Uh, you have to get behind it and uh, support that and uh, state that that's what you want. And um, so I fully trust uh, Josiah and his ministry and uh, really rely upon him. I see the wisdom and the gifting that God has given to him. And I would like him to, to stay on in, in a capacity that uh, would be different than the internship. So we'll just see. That, that's just an appeal to the church. And, uh, of course, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so we will just trust the Lord uh, to lead in our life and in Josiah's life. Um, all right, maintaining some areas that we're doing okay. Um, and so let's talk about what has happened. Uh, in talking with Brother Valier, uh, the last few years, uh, God has uh, blessed churches all across the country uh, with their financial aspect to their ministry. Now, you know, there's, there's old metrics on how you measure the success of your church. Have you ever heard this? Bodies, buildings, and bucks. Okay. Now, those are, are external. Uh, those are not the way that God would measure the success or the growth of a church. Okay. God measures in giftedness and edification uh, taking place in, in care for one another. That, that's how God measures things. But there's nothing wrong with being blessed materially by God. And so overall, if you look at the balance sheet, God is blessing the ministry uh, because both the church and the school share one checkbook. Uh, now, we do split that within the bookkeeping between a church side and a school side. And uh, by the grace of God, during the pandemic, we have been able to maintain our budgets. And that's a credit to your faithfulness and the grace of God teaching you to have the grace of giving. Uh, now this year, we're very close to being at budget. We are a little bit behind right now. And if the Lord lays on your heart to give a special gift, then take that into consideration. Um, what has made the difference this year is inflation. Um, we had a pretty hefty PG&E bill, and we're like, <gasps> all right, uh, put a little picture up on Facebook of a car that was laying on its roof at the gas station, and the car fainted when it saw gas prices, right? Um, well, I almost fainted when I saw that PG&E bill, all right? So these kind of costs go up and, and added expenses, uh, they do put pressure on us. And um, so uh, each of us uh, could seek the Lord in that area um, and see if God would have us to give more. Or we can pray that God sends other people who love to give as part of their spiritual worship to the Lord. All right, uh, I'll have you turn over to Isaiah chapter 28 for just a minute. I'm going to have you look at, at a couple of verses that say pretty much the same thing. But Isaiah chapter 28, verses 10 and 13. Um, God, as a faithful teacher, was asking the priests of his day to be faithful to give the teaching to the children of Israel, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Uh, in other words, it's small doses of spiritual truth that are sequentially given and received. Given and received. And so I want to make two appeals to you for two ministries of our church that I think that are maintaining. Um, and it was a little burden on my heart during COVID that we um, did not have Sunday school, uh, didn't have Awana. And when we restarted Sunday school, 
um, it was kind of a challenge to get it going again. Well, it's going, all right? Um, and it's doing okay, but it could be better. And so I think it's imperative to us that we realize that the kind of teaching that we receive in Sunday school is that precept upon precept, line upon line. Um, I was talking with my brother-in-law on the phone, and uh, one of his prayer requests was that there would be a men of God that would speak truth into the heart of his teenagers. And that is a beautiful uh, parental concern, uh, that the spiritual leadership in the church that you belong to speaks truth into the heart of, of your family. And I know that God has gifted us with those that, first of all, they joyfully and are willing to teach the Sunday school hour. And so my appeal to you is to participate in Sunday school and put yourself in the place where you're receiving those incremental doses of truth, precept upon precept, line upon line. Um, I think it's really important for children to, to be in Sunday school and uh, to get that knowledge now. I remember uh, when I was at Bob Jones, my manager in the dining common invited Janice and I to come over um, as a date to their house. And we're like, yes, of course, you know, but then he brought out Bible trivia and we're kind of like, yikes. Okay, it's kind of embarrassing that we didn't know some of the stuff that we should have known, right? But the only way to learn is to expose yourself to it Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. And you hear things. Uh, I was just talking with a believer in the parking lot on Friday, and they were talking about future events, and they're like, are we... You know, are we experiencing the tribulation? And I, I, I didn't think of it at the moment, but I, I thought of it when I was thinking about this message today. I, I should have said, you know, if you were here a few weeks ago when Pastor Josiah was, uh, or intern Josiah, was, was preaching in Thessalonians and talked about what the, uh, the falling away was, you probably wouldn't have that thought in your head right now because you would probably have gained some understanding about what's going on. And so, um, maintaining, put yourself in that place, precept upon precept, line upon line. So, that's an appeal. Um, and then our Awana ministry, the state of California, um, has seen to change the law in mandated reporters. And so, we have a new law, and uh, the, the enforcement agency for the state is the insurance carriers for the church. And so our insurance provider has been doing these webinars, and I've watched a couple of them over the last few weeks about this new state law, and all the hundreds of questions that they're receiving from ministries, you know, is Sunday School a youth organization? Is Awana a youth service organization? Uh, yes, 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 yes. All right. So with those new state laws in place, we have to conform. Now... They're not unreasonable laws. They're laws which I believe the spirit and the intent is something that the Church of Christ should rejoice that they're wanting to protect children. And so we need to somehow come into compliance with that. To do so, we're going to need further participation from the body of Christ to be trained and to be aware uh, what is abuse and then to learn how to report if you see abuse take place. Um, I mean, it, it's never fun. I remember when we were in South Carolina one morning, uh, one of the little kids uh, in elementary school got out of the car just weeping and find out what's wrong. His father had thrown his hot coffee on him because he was angry at him and uh, burned him. Well, folks, that's, that's abuse, Right? And so that kind of stuff has, has to be dealt with, and we have to understand that, well, that's not okay. And that does need to be investigated in what's going on. And so they're, they're, these things just aren't pleasant, but strategy is more unpleasant. And so we can comply with that. So we'll need some help 
especially going forward in Awana, um, <laughs> one of the things that they're, they're asking is that you have two mandated reporters um, in every um, class or every unit of teaching that are not related. So does that mean husband, wife, mother, daughter, father, son can't serve together? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means you're going to have to have a third person, right? So we're going to have to add more people to that ministry. So these are some things where as a pastor on my heart, um, there is value in the Sunday school ministry. There is value in Awana. And so we need to support these things and pray for these ministries. Now let's talk about some areas of improving. All right. Uh, let's go over to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, and keeping in mind 2 Timothy 2.2. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thee thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So Paul was giving the truth and gospel ministry to Timothy. Timothy was defined faithful men, leaders. Give them the gospel, give them ministry, entrust them with it, and then those faithful men were to find the next link in the chain. Teach it to others also. So every New Testament church needs some form where there is intentional, relational, in systematic reproduction of leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So this is what Paul is essentially telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. Now Acts 4.13. All right, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, um, i let my eyeballs find the right verse here. This is what we read. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them. And what's the last phrase? That they had been with Jesus. Leadership does not have to be eloquent or intelligent. When you look at Peter and John, they're the apostles of the church. And humanly speaking, they're ignorant and unlearned. But they marveled because they had been with Jesus. And so this is my appeal, that you as the congregation can be involved in training up the next generation of leadership. In Titus chapter 2, the older godly women mentor the younger godly women. They teach them things about home life. They teach them things about Christian service. And so ladies, you can raise up the next generation of Sunday school teachers, deaconesses, uh, spiritual counselors. That's what you can do. So that's what you, you should aim for, is, is that kind of growth and seeing that Calvary Baptist Church has a systematic, intentional, uh, reproducible, uh, reproducible, and relational way to develop leaders. All right, men. We've got some young Christians. There's a world of potential And it is so much joy to watch men grow in Jesus. I have been so blessed through the years to speak truth into men's hearts and see men grow. It's a joy. Uh, it's a joy to see a man give his first Sunday school lesson. 
to see a man lead somebody to the Lord. See a man make a basic change in his life. I mean, I think I've shared the story of a man that I was discipling him and I was kind of breathing down his neck about being baptized and he, about the third time, he, he lost his cool and he cussed me out, leave me alone. And then God took care of it a few months later. He had a, a very frightening experience and he came back and said, Pastor, I need to be baptized. And you know, after that moment, he was interested in spiritual things. And they moved to Florida And guess who was the pastor's partner in sharing the gospel with people who had been visitors at church? That man. He was on fire for the Lord. And there was great changes. I I went through um, the disciplines of a godly man with uh, uh, Kent Hughes with him. And uh, he's like, Pastor, this book has changed my life. I'm like, well, yes, but it's the word of God that has changed your life. And so... What an exciting thing to invest in men because they have the responsibility of leadership. Now, let's be real here for just a moment. This is one of the pressing and most urgent needs of Calvary Baptist Church. We have wonderful, mature, godly men serving as deacons right now but they're aging out. And they won't be able to do this much longer. So there's a window, and I'm being absolutely transparent with you on this. There's a window here of about 24 months, possibly 36. This is a critical window for us as a ministry to get serious about discipling nurturing and caring for the people in this community and the people in this church and raising up that next level of leadership and the next level of deacons and the, next, and the next level of pastors. Pastors come from the congregation ever before they're in the pulpit. And so we have a wonderful opportunity before us. This is something that we can seize by the grace of God, and we can move this to an area from where we're improving to an area we're excelling. And I know that we can do this, but we have to be intentional about it. We have to find a system that works for us, and that's unique to each ministry. We have to find a way to reproduce and to evaluate and measure spiritual fruit, as the Lord did, um, and see that taking place. And then, of course, just carrying for people, whether they'll be leaders or not, all right? Um, But John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, that's where we'll close tonight. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. I'm reading a book right now um, called uh, Creating a Culture of Care in the Local Church. And oh man, is it extremely fruitful and practical to read that book. Um, The church in society is the institution that God has set forward to nurture and care. Once again, the state seems to think that they're the ones that are gifted by their licensing of counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, and so forth. But it's the church that has this responsibility. And it starts by just having a love for people. Now, one of the things that I have tried to establish as a pastor, um, these little mini counseling booklets, that's an expression of a shepherd's heart because there are needs 
that sometimes are just a little bit too private at first to talk about and to be exposed, you know, as having that kind of a need. That's why those books are there. And the thing I appreciate about those mini counseling books, number one, they give hope. Number two, they're filled with the gospel. And number three, they connect scripture to the way we live life. And our students in the Christian school, our families, our children need to understand that God is the author and the creator of the soul. You know what that, that word is? Is suke, the psych, the psychology of a person. God is the author of that. God is known as the wonderful counselor. And there is such rich and valuable truth in this book. And that's why we need to expose ourselves to it every single day. To be familiar with how it relates to life so that we can pass it down to the children. I was blessed Wednesday night with talking with the Trek and the Journey group, which is the junior high and the high school. And just to challenge them with what Paul told Timothy, continue thou in the things that thou hast heard and hast learned, knowing of whom you have received them. Continue. You see, this book is God's expression of his love and his counsel on how to truly be a blessed and happy person. And so the scripture is filled with rich resources that help us with literally thousands of issues that we deal with. Psychological issues, yes. And so we as a church can grow in this area of just, first of all, let's love one another, right? And that's where it starts. But you know there are 35 one another commands in the New Testament. Pray for one another. And so this is an appeal in closing, Acts 1.14, that the church gathered together to pray. So I sat down and had a conversation one-on-one, um, phone conversation or a face-to-face meeting with each one of the deacons, and I've asked them to make two commitments. Support prayer and find a man to mentor. I encourage you. I appeal to you. Prayer is where we're going to find the wisdom to make the changes we need to make to go forward. This is a wonderful opportunity because we have a God who hears prayer and loves to answer. He loves the prosperity of his church. He wants to bless us. Do we want the blessing? And to mentor these people, this is a culture of care. It starts with love.